Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 17. I'm excited to introduce you to today's guest, my very own baby sister, Kate Shellerud. Today, we are going to talk about learning how to use your giftings, how to find true community, and how to celebrate other successes without questioning your own. Today's interview is extra special because I get to share my best friend with you, but our conversation is one of my favorite episodes to date because we get down to what real relationships look like with which can sometimes be a little messy. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast with Jenna Kutcher, the live workshop style business podcast for creative girl bosses. So you can train from the experts how to dig in, do the work, and tackle your goals along the way. Here's your host, photographer, educator, artist, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. This episode of the Gold Digger Podcast is sponsored by HoneyBook. HoneyBook is the management software that I use to stay organized, manage invoices, get paid, and give every client an elevated, unforgettable experience. HoneyBook is offering 20% off exclusively for Gold Digger listeners. Just go to honeybook.com slash gold digger to get started and get your life back today. Hey, Gold Diggers, welcome to today's episode. I am really excited to introduce this guest because I feel like I can introduce her better than maybe anyone on planet Earth. It is my baby sister. Hey, Kate. (laughs) Hey there. (laughs) I'm really excited about today's episode. So Kate is six years younger than me, and she currently lives in Rochester, and she is an RN, and she's going to tell you all about where she's at today. But today's episode, I wanted to first just introduce you to my best friend, but (laughs) also to really just kind of talk through some of the stuff that relationships bring on, especially with siblings or even your closest friends. And I think that if we're really being honest, a lot of what we're going to talk about today is highly relatable in life, in relationships, in business. And so, Kate, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jenna. (laughs) And um, why don't you just tell everyone a little bit about who you are and where you are and what you're up to these days. Alrighty. So I am kind of in that fresh new grad phase of life. I just graduated from the University of Minnesota and it was the best four years, but I'm really loving this new chapter. I am a nurse on the pediatric ICU. So with really sick, but really, really amazing kids at the Mayo Clinic And I'm just kind of navigating this new stretch of life. I'm recently engaged, so it's just kind of a new chapter of being done with school and just kind of moving forward and finding different avenues to kind of channel your time. Because it's weird, like, being a student for a majority of your life and then all of a sudden you, you know, have all these different ways to fill your time. And it's been a good little stretch, but that's kind of me in a nutshell right now. So that is not her in a nutshell because <laughs> she's way more amazing than she even brought up. Kate was a Division One runner for all four years of her college athlete career. And so, too, it's not just transitioning from school, but also transitioning from being an athlete your whole life yes. to entering the real world. And I went through the same thing. I probably nobody knows this, but I was a collegiate diver. She and was so, so good. <laughs> 
So you go from a life of like working hard at athletics and then that's so much of what your identity is, especially when you are a college athlete, because that's mm-hmm. how I feel like college is segmented kind of, especially in the athletic world. Right. And so it is like an identity crisis when your career ends and you hang up your cleats or your swimsuit for the last time. So what has that been like, especially shifting out from that identity and into adulthood? It truly is bizarre because, especially in college, like high school, I was invested, but it just takes a different lens when you're in college competing at a level like that. But I would say the last four years, I was thinking about running constantly, and I do not regret that at all. I loved it. I love my team, and it was an amazing opportunity just to kind of go around the country and compete in my favorite sport, but coming out of that, it's been bizarre because I'm used to lifting three times a week and running every day and trying to get good sleep and caring about what I eat. And all of that still goes into being a healthy human, which I'm still trying to do. But it's a level of taking a step back and being like, okay, if I miss a run today, or if I get three hours of sleep or all those things, it's not performance based anymore. It's like a new way of measuring how I'm living a healthy lifestyle because the last four years almost had to be a little obsessive to be competitive and now being a real human where you know you're working a lot and you know this weekend I have a bachelorette party and all those things where it's taking away from how I would be as an athlete but it doesn't necessarily matter anymore so it's kind of been an interesting transition. So What we're going to talk about today, and I think that's the perfect segue, and you kind of (laughs) brought it up as well, is being competitive. And I think that, especially right now in the creative industry, there's this whole push of community over competition. And what better person to talk to than (laughs) your sister? Because I feel like sisters are, Kate says it best, where she says, we're 50% clone, 50% opposite. (laughs) And if you have a sister, you know that there's this weird competitive spirit between the two of you, but that you love her, you know, indefinitely. And so what I wanted to really talk about is... I personally don't believe that we are born with a desire for community over competition, specifically athletes. We have this competitive spirit within us, whether we are playing Scrabble or running a marathon, whatever that is, we always want to be the best. And so what I want to talk about is, and Kate and I have had definitely different seasons in our lives as we've transitioned and grown and, you know, we shared a bedroom. <laughs> yes, we did. I tried to convince Kate to live in the basement closet. She did uh, convince me. She did not try. <laughs> she was like, because uh, I really wanted my own bedroom. <laughs> okay, so let's talk a little bit about, like, just the evolution of learning how to celebrate each other's successes, mm-hmm. whether they look similar to one another or different. So, Kind of talk, let's talk a little bit about that. Like, how do you feel even just bringing up this subject? I mean, I'm pretty comfortable around it. Like, I'm, I think me and you are both able to acknowledge, like, yeah, there's a little fire in our competition, like, in a competitive way between us, but it's never like, I want her to do worse or I want this. It's like, Jenna's killing it in the world right now and she's really going after stuff and I kind of want to keep pace. So, in whatever I'm doing, but it's never like, Jenna is a photographer. I'm going to be a photographer and do all the, you (laughs) know, be weird. Right. It's not like a direct competition, but I think you have just kind of set the standard for me and you being older than me six years. So it's just like, we've always kind of been in different stages. Like when Mm -hmm. I was in high school, you were in college. When I was in college, you were out of college. Mm -hmm. And so it's always, it's never been a direct competition, which I think has been probably good for us. Mm -hmm. But it's also been a level of like, hey, Jenna did pretty kick butt in every stage of life. And, you know, I want to keep pace, not necessarily crush her into the ground. But, you know, you set the standard for me to kind of put myself out there. And when I'm in something, I'm in it fully. So I think competition can be channeled in a way that's not wanting the other person to be down, but just wanting you to be pulled up, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. 
I love that. And I think too, something that you and I have learned over the years, especially I would say mostly recently, mm-hmm. <laughs> is that like your success is not my failure. Like right. you, so Kate just ran a marathon and I've run a full marathon before as well. And she freaking qualified for Boston, which is such a big deal. And she would never tell you any of this because she's the most humble person ever. Mm-hmm. But when I look at that, it's not like, oh my gosh, she beat me. I should probably go and train for another marathon so that I can beat her. And I think what we've learned is that we have a very different skill set and mm-hmm. gift set and God made us very different in certain aspects of our lives. And so it's been a conscious thing for us to take a step back and say, just because she's doing this, it doesn't mean I need to do it. Right. And I think so many people in the creative industry, especially with social media, is we look at what other people are doing And even if it's something we're not gifted in or something that we even want, but we see other people doing it, it becomes this thought in the back of our head, like we need to do this in order to be a success. Mm -hmm. And so have you noticed, I mean, has anything like that popped into your head where you're like, I need to do this. And then you're like, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Like, why am I even thinking about this? Right. I kind of just think different life stages, looking way back to high school, we're from a smaller town and It's just kind of the climate and the expectation to be really involved there. And I was involved in all these clubs and all these things and these things that were kind of empty to me, but I was just doing them because I was president of this committee and vice president of this committee. And even though I wasn't necessarily channeling my interests and my talents well, and then in college, going to such a big college like the U, where there's no option to be involved in everything. You kind of have to hone in on your passions and your skill sets. So I, you know, we were talking a lot about sports, but I really invested myself in my team and ended up becoming a captain. And I really invested myself in nursing, which I'm so passionate about and was on the nursing college board. But my interests were much more focused on what I was good at. And I think it translates to even small decisions For example, I was in the honors program at the U and you had to do this research thesis and everyone's picking these really meaty, really like nitty gritty details to research. And I was like, you know what, if I'm going to be spending months doing research, I want it to be something I'm interested in. And I ended up doing my entire thesis on yoga (laughs) in older female adults, but I loved doing my thesis and everyone else was kind of stressed by it, but I was excited to see my results. I was invested in it. I understood the content and I think there's no rigid black and white set way to do anything. And as long as you're kind of listening to that inner fire, like what you're drawn towards, I've realized that more and more over the years, like that's what you're going to excel at because you have that little extra edge. You have that little extra desire to learn it and be in it and excel at it. Whereas if I'm, if I did my thesis on like a certain molecule, I would be so checked out and I wouldn't even, (laughs) you know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. it's, it's just kind of finding that, like, I don't think anything that your like soul is calling to is accidental. I think your passions are like there for a reason. And for me, it's very much like a God thing. And I know like, that can look many ways for many different people, but it's kind of like, what am I being called towards? Yep. And I think too, that changes. And I think a lot of times we tend to like put ourselves in the corner and be like, well, this is my thing and I'm going to stick with this and I'm good at it. And we've had a lot of conversations too, because Kate and I, with our competitive spirit, we would sometimes do things just because we were good at them, not because we were passionate about them. Mm -hmm. And I think that we got so used to following what we were good at that a lot of times we were afraid of failing at something that we, we loved, but Mm -hmm. that we maybe weren't called to. Can you think of anything? I'm trying to think of an example of this. Oh, I can think of so many failures (laughs) I've had. I truly can. Probably the biggest one would be, like I mentioned before, coming from a really small town, I was in the smallest division in high school for running. So I was very competitive in that small town kind of sector of things. And I was terrified to run at the division one level. And I was coming off of an injury. And I was not 
in shape to be a division one runner at that time. I wasn't physically or mentally there. And that was probably the first big leap I took where I went into it saying, I'm probably going to be one of the worst on this team. And I knew that I truly did. And that was, I wrestled with it. I was like, this is going to be embarrassing. And my expectation was I'm going to go in and I'm probably going to be the worst and I'll hate it and I'll probably quit. And then I got in there and honestly, I've never had more fun failing at something. It was like right away, I was the worst, but I love my team. And I was seeing these little bits of promise that I could be the runner I once was. And that just kind of inspired me to when things are scary and you're not going into something fully confident, but you have that passion, go for it. I love that. I love that. And I think too, especially owning a business, a lot of times we'll see other people doing things and we're like, well, that's just what we need to do. Like for instance, I can think of blogging. Some people are just not natural bloggers, but they Mm -hmm. have this guilt placed on them that they need to write a blog so that their clients can read their blog and blah, 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 blah. And we've all seen terrible blog posts where you're like, (laughs) they just did it because they felt like they had to. And what I've learned, especially as a business owner, is that you need to look at what your gifts are, and then you need to figure out how to use them. And even when I was starting this podcast, like I was terrified because I'm like, I hate the way my voice sounds like how many of us record your voicemail (laughs) thing like 50 times. And at the end of it, it doesn't even sound like you anymore. But you're like, well, this sounds good. Right. And but the funny thing was is I was like, I really miss like having conversations with women. And I really miss like just sitting down and having coffee. And I love, you know, that you can listen to podcasts, whatever you're doing, that it's so accessible. Mm -hmm. But there is so much fear in that. And, you know, it was the first project in a long time that I launched. And I was like, I don't know what this is going to look like. It could flop or it could be great. And I didn't really care, to be frank. And I think that when you can hit that place in your life of just confidence, maybe where you're like, even if it fails, like, I'm really freaking excited about it. Mm -hmm. Um, That's awesome. So Something that I think is funny. Can we just quick talk about Snow White? Or no. Oh my gosh. Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. Oh my gosh. Yes, <laughs> so, we can talk about it at length. Okay, so here's one just funny sister story before we go back to like, a <laughs> serious conversation. So when we were kids, we grew up in a small town. There's about 5,000 people. Our school was kindergarten through 12th grade. They had these plays come in, and I was cast as Beauty in Beauty and the Beast. And Kate, what role did you play? I was, uh, so Jenna was Beauty, and I was cast, oh my gosh, I can't even say it, as Gargoyle number three. So I literally (laughs) stood like a statue in the background (laughs) the entire play. Oh my gosh. It was the best. Probably the best moment of my career. And I'm pretty sure I never sang another solo on stage. Yeah, she sang. So if you ever want another another (laughs) business avenue for Jenna, we do have the theater. So I will not go into that. Anyways. So, okay. Let's talk about something that I think is just important, especially as women, is jealousy. And we always throw out those quotes like comparison is a thief of joy and everything. And like I said, I think that having the years between us has been so helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, have there been stages of your life where jealousy just gets you? Because I know, I mean, I've definitely been jealous of you. What has that looked like? And and how has it changed as you've grown up too? Mm -hmm. I think, I think when you're younger and maybe just don't really know fully who you are, and I'm still young and I'm still figuring that out, but you measure jealousy with like tangible things, like things, you know, like, Mm -hmm. oh, she has this or Jenna won this award or whatever, you know, those kind of like black and white, either she got this, I didn't. And then as you get older, it morphs into these like abstract things like Mm -hmm. she has it or she has that drive or that body or this Mm -hmm. lifestyle. And it's like these things that can't be measured and they can't be like tangibly attained. They're this thing, this mythical thing. Right. Yep. And so I think it's really easy to just chase that and chase that and never get it. And not necessarily, like, definitely with you, but it spreads wider than that. Like, those Mm -hmm. people that you're just like, huh, well, they seem like they have this. Or they're able to eat healthy all the time. Or those, like, those weird forms of jealousy. 
And I was actually talking about this the other day. Like one of my favorite compliments is like, oh, you're not like most girls. And then I'm like, wait, why is that like one of my favorite compliments? Like I know so many amazing women Mm-hmm. And it's like, why do I want to be like set apart? You know, like everyone wants to be unique and valued for their individual traits. But at the same time, like, why would I not want to be like the other women in my life? You know, like they're so great. But it's funny how jealousy can make you just almost want to appear like set apart, like better off than the group. Yep. And I think too, Kate and I were raised, we kind of joke because we are, I mean, a bit feminist, which I kind (laughs) of love. We're like girl pride all the way. (laughs) Yes. And I think too, especially with women, we're so visual and social media only escalates how we fill in the blanks on stories that we don't know. Mm -hmm. And so we could see the perfect body, but we might not know that she's struggling with an eating disorder. We could see the perfect house and we might not know that they are filing bankruptcy. And I think that the scary thing is, is that our brains, especially as women, love to fill in those blanks for ourselves. And Mm -hmm. we like to write stories that aren't true. Right. And so it's hard because especially as we become an adult and we look at things like careers and houses and children and cars and all of these things that don't necessarily fill your cup up or make you live a happy life. They're just things. Yet, I think our hearts go to those and think that this is what we need in order to feel fulfilled or happy mm-hmm. or content. And so it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of interesting how we tend to do that. And it's, we have written women as the, I'm trying to think of the right word, as the competition in our lives, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, so how have you, because you have a very, like, great grasp on who you are, and I think you also have a very good group of friends who are legit friends and not, like, frenemies mm-hmm. or in it for themselves. Like, how would you encourage people to just foster, like, a true community, like a come-as-you-are community? I think for me, so... I love, I'm a big advocate for the top five um, strengths finder assessment, Mm -hmm. but I could get into that later, how mine have changed over the years. But one of my top ones is developer, and that's kind of seeing the potential in not just people, but uh, like situations like, okay, this is the situation or this is this person. And like, I can see them like three steps ahead is what like the description of this trait says. And I just, I really do see that in my life and I keep bringing it back to running, but like those teammates that you can tell they're just frustrated with a workout or maybe on, you know, in your business world, like someone does a launch and it maybe didn't go as well. I kind of just see that that's like kind of my bread and butter for reaching out to someone and being like, Hey, like we stumble, like it's human nature and there's going to be like, this is what you did well. Like, let's build on it. Like, I love those conversations with people, whether it's a sport or a business venture or just like a relationship. Like, okay, that was a flop, but like, where can we go from here? Like, what's the next step? And I think just reaching out to people when you know, and even when you don't know, they're going through a hard time. Like maybe they did something great and being like, hey, that was awesome. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm just an encourager by nature, I think. And I have, like, no issues and no qualms supporting other people in their ventures. I think, I don't even necessarily know if it's rare, but I just think that, like, it's never wrong to encourage someone. You know what I mean? Like, ever. To try to elevate them to that next level, that best them they can be, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's funny, too, because, so... I think our family is like very good encouragers or just even like I texted dad today and was like, dad, I love you. I hope you have a good day. And I think our mom totally instilled that in us because she was always hiding notes everywhere. Like everywhere. I'd leave a note every day on the counter, like have a good day today. So Um, proud of you. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think we are very good with words, but something I've noticed in my life too is all like every day somebody will like pop into my head and I Mm -hmm. used to just acknowledge that thought and move on 
And I've really tried to make a conscious effort to stop and send them some sort of encouragement, whether it's a voice text or a text message or an email or whatever that looks like. And it's so crazy because I've learned that God is putting those thoughts into my head for a reason or that person. Right. And so many times when I reach out and just say, hey, I'm thinking of you today. Don't feel like you need to respond, but I just want you to know I'm praying for you. Like people are like, you don't even know like what was going on that day or like I've had it happen where like friends of mine have gone into labor and I literally text them while they're in labor. And I'm like, Hey, I was just thinking of you. I hope everything's going well. Or, you know, and so I don't think any of that is random, just like your passions aren't random. And I think a lot of times we isolate ourselves or we're like, Oh, I'll email them later. But like, if you see something good in someone, or if you are thinking about them, or if you're praying for them or whatever that looks like in your life, like send that out. You don't know how that could impact somebody's day or Mm -hmm. week or month. And a lot of times we are just so isolated these days and we love to tell ourselves that we're connected via social media, but that's not true connection. And so if we can close those gaps, I think that's like so powerful. Right. I exactly. I totally believe with what you just said. Like you get those inklings and it's like, oh, I really like that person's on my heart today. And mm-hmm. who wouldn't love just a random text, even if nothing's going on with them? Like, hey, I'm thinking of you. Thinking I'm of you. For you. I just went to this like meditation workshop thing, of course. And they did this exercise, which I thought was really cool. And you just kind of closed your eyes and you thought of one person. And, you know, naturally my brain goes towards those like core people in my life, like, you and my fiance and mom and dad, you know, those mm-hmm. poor people. And it's like, okay, and wish them well. And like, you know, just say a little prayer or whatever suits you. But then the next one was like, now think of someone like that you see often, but you don't really know. And for me, it's been like that really friendly lab technician at work or the person that made my coffee this morning. And just kind of thinking like, okay, hey, I wish you well. And it was mm-hmm. an exercise to like, do that. And it was all these different people to kind of think about. And then at the end, it was like, now just text one person and say, thank you, you know, and it's amazing who pops into your mind. But just kind of thinking along those terms and welcoming those thoughts and like, who needs a little extra love in today? (laughs) Right. I love that. And I think too, it's like, it's kind of, you know, when you're kids and mom would be like, you know, Christmas, like, it's so much more fun to give than receive. And when you're a kid, you're like, heck no, I want to receive all the things. Right, all the things. But I feel like as you become an adult, there is so much joy in doing that. And it doesn't need to be extreme. And I think so many times we, like, put this weird stigma, like, pay it forward, like, you know, at the coffee shop, buy the next person's coffee. Like, all of that is wonderful things. But, like, even just small gestures of, like, smiling or saying hi or Mm -hmm. whatever, I think it just takes down walls that we've started to build up as a generation, specifically a generation raised on the internet. Right. And we, you know, it's, we have this weird thing about us these days where we put so much out there online. And yet when we're in person with people, it's like, we are afraid to even tell people what we do for a living or, you know, and I think like, sorry to interrupt, but I think that's one of the things that's made your business so genuine and so successful is that you've never been afraid to like put yourself out there. So, I mean, I have social media, I have Instagram and all that. And I see so many people with these like dry little captions, you know, Mm -hmm. and which is fine. And not everyone can put their heart out like you have, but I just think we're in an era where people are so, so afraid to just drop their guard and be vulnerable. And you do that you know, you have this platform that's, I think, life-changing to a lot of people, that little dose of real life that they're not getting in other ways. And I think it's just inspiring people to be like, it's okay to kind of shed your layers and put yourself out there. Because I do think that in this day and age, people are so afraid to be anything less than like perfect. Mm-hmm. And I think too, with that, like, I think true connection comes in the nitty gritty. Mm -hmm. It doesn't come in perfect. And I always joke, like, nobody wants to sit with a perfect girl at school because you're always going to be less than. You're always going to feel less than. And it's so funny because even when I post things 
just like what's actually going on in my life. It's like, nobody can tell me that's not going on. Like I can share my heart no matter what, and nobody can tell me I'm wrong for it. And Mm -hmm. I think I've just had conviction with that. And I also just think, you know, Instagram is a lonely place to scroll sometimes because you're like, you know, it's everyone's best moments. And I mean, I'm literally recording this in my car outside (laughs) my house and I'm plucking chin hairs with tweezers because there's really good lighting in my car right now. Excellent. Where, but you're like, okay, like I feel more normal now, you know, and Mm -hmm. I'm sure people imagine me in this studio with a cool microphone and, you know, it's like, we just need to like keep it real and level the playing field once and for all. And I think when you think about who that core people and the audience in your life is, it's people that will keep it real with you and that will level you out and say, take a step back or, Mm -hmm. you know, you're being a little crazy today or whatever that looks like. So I agree. So what would you say, you know, in terms of your goals and like how have they changed or where are they at right now? And I know, you know, everything can evolve so quickly. Mm -hmm. I think of my goals, I would say just following, I keep talking about what I'm called to, but like following those instincts, whether there's accolades attached to them or not. I've always been competitive, like we're talking about, and I kind of like climbing the ladder and getting to those leadership roles or those measurable outcomes. But I'm also really called to journaling and writing poems and painting. And, you know, they're not, it's not something I'm pursuing in a way that I could get an award for them. They're very much on my own time, like individual little things. But I've really been able this last year to hone into those little hobbies that make me my best self Mm -hmm. and realizing that even though there's not a direct like result, maybe right. Yeah. Thank you. Like a direct result of those things, those make me happy. So that's a really small scale example, but I think this chapter of life, I love my job. I absolutely love my job and I just want to keep growing at that and um, succeeding at that. But at the same time, I want my life outside my job to be whole. And I don't want to kind of get rid of these little passions and these little instincts that make me my best self. So I think this next few years will just kind of be, you know, seeing what calls to me in the moment. Like right now I'm kind of in a yoga phase and maybe next month I'll be, you know, in a meditation phase or whatever it is. But I like pursuing these different avenues. And I think life is so exciting. I'm thinking of signing up for a pottery class right now. Like I just, so cool. I just want to live like a big, fat, juicy, creative life in whatever way that is, whether that's relationships or traveling or, you know, these little art projects I'm doing. I just want life to be vivid. And I would say that's my biggest goal. And that's an abstract goal. And it's probably something that doesn't have a cut line of like, okay, I achieved this big, fat, juicy life of mine, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like something that I'm striving for. And I think I'll always be striving for that. I love that. It's really interesting, too, because so Kate is the exact age I was when I was engaged. So it's (laughs) funny, because there are a lot of parallels to our lives, and then a lot of obvious, really big differences. Um, (laughs) And so it's really cool to see her in this phase of life because when I was her age, I was working for Target. I had my first salary and we went from this poor college student to like actually making a living. And I think it is easy to get lost in that making a living and not making a life thing, especially because you've gone to school for all these years and all of a sudden you get this career, hopefully. And I think that sometimes people have done a really poor job about making their career their life. Mm -hmm. And so I think we've always been people that have said, you know, work to make a living and, you know, work shouldn't be your life. And so I love that those are some of your goals because I think that that's important. And I think a lot of times we lose touch with that and our goals look more like getting a promotion or Mm -hmm. getting a raise or whatever that looks like. But that's not necessarily adding value or joy to your life. And right as a competitive person, we often have to like revamp and relook at like, well, what am I striving towards? And like, what what are my motives to do? Yeah. Like what, how am I going to feel when that happens? And 
with Target, like there was a point where they kept talking about me moving up, moving up, moving up. And I realized like, I don't even want to move up. Like that is not, that would not make me happier. I would work more. Sure. I would make more money, but I would have no time to spend it. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at people that had children that their children were, you know, in daycare for 10 hours a day. And then, you know, it just wasn't this life. Like I wasn't working towards anything that I wanted. And as an achiever, I still was working towards those things. Mm -hmm. But I think it just hit me where I was like, this isn't going to be happy. Even if I make it there, I'm going to feel maybe prideful that I made it to that point, but I'm not going to be happier, you know? Exactly. Exactly. It's like that shiny thing that you're like working towards, working towards, working towards. And then you're like, wait a second. Like, what are my motives? Why am I working so tirelessly for this? And what is it really, really going to look like? Like it's the idea of it versus it. Yes. Yes. And I think too, we often care so much about like accolades and things, but oftentimes we forget that other, like they matter more to us than other people. And so if we're working towards empty accolades, Nobody else really cares about it, whether you win it or you don't, you know, nobody would even know that. And a lot of times I think we believe that our failures are broadcast. Mm -hmm. And I heard a really interesting thing on a podcast the other night and this guy had launched some sort of product and it like totally flopped. He had like two sales and yet people were messaging him like, Hey, I hope you killed it. Like I was following along. You were doing so great. And you know, we are so close to our failures that they just feel like there's a magnifying glass on them. But Mm -hmm. these days, we're not really letting people into those. And so we're living so deep in them where it feels like that is what our life has become, a failure. Whereas to the outside looking in, everyone else is looking at their own failures and not even looking at what you're doing, you know? Right, right. So interesting. So what would you tell somebody about their heart game when it comes to learning how to celebrate other people genuinely and wholeheartedly as best as you can. Mm -hmm. I think that will be just like a learning curve throughout a lot of people's lives, but I truly like, I can want the best for myself and I do. And I really strive towards that. Like I love working hard and I love networking and meeting people and really putting my best foot forward But at the same time, me doing that doesn't take away from anyone else. And if someone else next to me is working just as hard, and even if they're not, if they're just living a happy life, I want to be happy for them. Like they're not, it's this realization of like their happiness isn't taken away from mine. Kind of like the lighting the candle analogy. Like, you know, you're sharing your flame. Yours doesn't get any smaller. It's just kind of sharing it. You know, it's. That's a really cheesy way of saying it, but truly you can be your best self. Maybe you lost like five pounds and you're excited about it. Or maybe you just wrote something you're really proud of, like these little things. You doing that isn't taking away from anyone. It could potentially add a lot. Like say you wrote something that really touched someone, you know, Um, like nothing is gained from you shying away from what you're good at. You exactly, know? exactly. And I kind of touched on it earlier, but those like top five strengths. So the U, where I went to school, really encouraged that and required every freshman to take it coming in. And I think the idea of it was to kind of, you know, find your skill set and everyone's unique and da 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 da. Everyone's an individual. And mine, coming out of high school, I was just a very rigid, achievement-based person. So my top five strengths was one, competition, (laughs) two, achievement, three was input, which is like giving and sharing ideas, four was positivity, and five was like woo, which is winning others over. So just kind of like, Mm -hmm. you know, can you be charming or not? And then I took it again my senior year after just like a lot of cool seasons of life. And my top strength was strategic, which at first I was like, wait, that sounds like calculated and conniving, but it actually just means like seeing a situation and seeing many ways it could go and finding opportunity in every situation. And then my second one was empathy. So I went from competition to empathy. Mm -hmm. Third one was developer, which I talked about, which is like, seeing others and encouraging them. And then I kept input 
giving, sharing ideas, and I kept positivity. So in the course of four years, I don't even think my skill set necessarily changed all that much. I think I just let my guard down and was able to find out what I truly was naturally good at. I think I, the first time I took it, I was probably answering how I wanted to be like, yes, yeah, I want to be the best. Yeah. I love accolades, you know? Mm -hmm. And then at the end of all that, it was like, no, I love people. I love connection. And it was just, that was probably in me all along. It just took me shedding some layers to be honest with myself and what I'm called towards. Mm -hmm. And something I love, and this is such a great way to bring it up is We are taught, I just had a conversation with someone the other day, we are taught that strategy is wrong, that, and this is something that I've struggled with so much in my business because I am an incredibly strategic person. Mm -hmm. Everything I do in my business has purpose because if it didn't, then why would I be doing it? And I had a conversation with another business owner and I said something about, well, yeah, we, I mean, we have this whole strategy laid out and whatever. And she goes, feels so good to hear you say that because I feel like as women, we're taught to just make it seem like things just happen for us. Mm-hmm. Because when strategy comes into play, it makes you feel like you're doing it for what's in it for you. And I thought that was so incredible because it is true. A lot of times we play it off as like, oh my gosh, like, look at, I just, I launched a podcast and it hit top 10 on iTunes, but it's like, no, I worked my butt off. I gave people information. I, you know, planned out the interviews. I, you know, and none of that makes it wrong. In fact, it just makes you smart. And, you know, kind of how you said when you first got strategy and you're like, oh, that like feels weird. It feels wrong. Mm -hmm. And it was Um, my very top strength, but I was like shying away from it. Yes. And it's, I think it's something that we've been taught that to be strategic is to be conniving or to always be thinking about yourself first. Mm -hmm. And I think coupled with empathy, it shows that it's the opposite of that because you could have a strategy around how to make somebody feel comfortable Mm -hmm. or how to, you know, invite people into your life in a way that makes them feel heard. Um, And so I love that because I am super strategic, but being strategic allows me to also live a fuller life or being strategic allows me to make money so that I can share it with other people. Right. Um, and it's not just a happenstance and it's not just kismet, like it's real. And I think that if you are running a business and you're looking at everyone else and just saying, well, this just happened for her or she got in it at the right time or she knew the right people or whatever stories we're telling ourselves, it is okay. And you should have a strategy and strategy Mm -hmm. is not wrong. And I think that it's just something that's been embedded in us. And I think to the adverse side of that is that if we look at strategic men, we think that they're powerful and strong. And if we look at strategy in women, we think that they're self-centered and Mm -hmm. self-focused. And so I think it's very interesting. That's such a good point. And as like, I can't even imagine, but as a business owner, I bet your strategy mindset, it helps you invest in the things that are Mm -hmm. going to elevate you further. So you're not doing all this busy work. Like you're like, okay, maybe that project isn't for me. I'm not going to waste my time on that. It's not going to bring me to that step I want, but I see this avenue and that's more my thing. And I can see this, 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 and this happening off of it. So just kind of looking through a lens of like, what am I called towards? Like we keep saying, Mm -hmm. and what is likely going to follow that? And yes, it's strategy, but it's not like, who am I going to shove down to the bottom to get there? It's saying, what is best for me? Which avenue? What is this going to do? You know, like it's- Where will I shine the brightest? Right. Like, and that's what I think too is- The more that you become comfortable with who you are, the more that you can celebrate who other people are. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that's happened, especially in our relationship, (laughs) is that we've said, you know, Kate is gifted in so many ways. And some of them are exactly the same as mine, which just makes sense. We're sisters. Mm -hmm. But some of them are entirely different than mine. And there are, you know, I am very type A. I would say, Kate, you're not incredibly type A. No. (laughs) Um, You know, there are things like that where we can look and say, well, there's a benefit because Kate could roll out of bed and be over to help somebody in five minutes if they needed it. Or, (laughs) you know, like there's just so many different things. And I think that 
when you can fully embrace yourself, and I don't know if we'll ever actually get to that point, but when you can embrace yourself enough to recognize what you're called to do and to be and who you are and what your gifts are and how you can serve the world, you can start to look at other people and celebrate when they're actually doing those things, when they're actually living to the conviction of what they're feeling. And I think that when you can hit that place in your life, it becomes so much more joyful because you're able to celebrate alongside of people. And who doesn't love celebrating? Like mm-hmm. we will come up with any excuse to celebrate. We do. We do. <laughs> I mean, I was like thinking, I'm like, it was Tucker's birthday the other day right. and then it was the one year anniversary of our house. And like, I'm one of those people that was like, I was like, what can we celebrate? And I think that there is, you know, kind of one final thought that I would love to just touch on is there has been a way of teaching that I, I actually disagree with, and it might be unpopular to say this, but there has been this mentality, especially on social media. If you're following somebody that makes you feel bad about yourself or makes you feel less than, then you should just unfollow them. And I do feel like that we should have a really good filter on our lives and how we're ingesting things. But the adverse side of that is that we need to go back to our heart and say, what is the real problem here? Why am I feeling this way towards this person? Because it's not them, it's you. Mm-hmm. And I think that we've become so quick to just say, well, I'm just going to filter this out of my life so that I don't have to feel this way or look this way or question these things. And I would love to just turn that idea on its head and go back to your heart game and say, what is it going on in your heart that is telling you that you're less than because of what this person is doing? Because a lot of times that happens with the people closest to us. Mm -hmm. And it's not this stranger, this perfect blogger, anything like that. It's the people that are in our tightest circles that somehow get their way into our hearts. And it mostly comes out of jealousy or comparison. And I love the idea of instead of just trying to cut them out of your life or instead of unfollowing them or whatever that looks like, go back to you. Like it all starts with you and you are in control of you. And I think that, you know, we're, we're so often just told, well, just unfollow them so that you don't feel that way. But I think that we need to turn that around. And I think that you and I have had times in our lives where we feel that way. And I Mm -hmm. think that we've just become mature enough to say, well, why am I feeling that way? And usually it is like something from like when you were five years old or like, you know, it stems way back. But when we can acknowledge it and put power to the actual problem or just say, I know why I feel this way, it takes that power out of your life. Do you agree? Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And wow, I'm really in this meditative topic right now. I like it. At that meditation workshop, it was just saying like, no thought is good or bad and simply acknowledging it. So for me, it's, I always wrestled with like body image and it's like when I'm looking at something and thinking like, oh, her body or, oh, I just ate all this or whatever being able, this is a specific example, but just to like acknowledge those thoughts and not label it is like, Kate, you don't need to think like that. Or Kate, like, you're right. You are eating bad. Or like, it's simply like, okay, I'm having this thought. It probably stems from me caring about eating for so many years as a runner, Mm -hmm. like in acknowledging like why it's there. It's not good or bad. I'm not going to sort it into a pile, but just saying right now that thought is a part of me and how am I going to act on it? Mm-hmm. There is um, a really good app. And let me see if I have it. Oh, okay. I know what it is. It's called Headspace. And it's a meditation app. And it is something that is on my list for the new year. And I need to just start it maybe on Monday. And to meditate every day, there's so much power in that. Mm-hmm. But when so many people will say, well, I can't meditate. My brain is too busy. And I would be one of those people that would flail my hands in the air and say, my brain doesn't stop working. But what this app does is it walks you through a week of meditation. And, and he actually, it's just his voice and he talks to you. Mm-hmm. And one of his things was to imagine that you're sitting on the side of the road and that these cars are just driving by and you're not trying to chase them or stop them or jump into them. And imagine that these cars are your thoughts and you're just Mm -hmm. watching them go by. And so you can say there's a red car and there's a blue car and you're not taking action. Right. Just watching. And it helps me as well on that same page of 
just acknowledging your thoughts and not trying to categorize them and just being more mindful of, well, what is feeding into this thought or what, how is it making me feel or things like that. And so I think meditation is so powerful and mm-hmm. it's definitely something on my list to just get going in and really carve out that time each day, even if it's just 10 minutes right, um, to center yourself. And I think that we're just so inundated with screens and things and people and, you know, buy this Mm -hmm. and buy that. And so I think that that's a really cool and just a really powerful thing, no matter what stage of life you're in. Right. And even just doing that, and even if you don't have 10 minutes, but just looking at your everyday in the moment thoughts like that, Mm -hmm. exactly what you said about the cars, like, okay, there's a lot of cars here. There's a lot of thoughts here. Which ones am I going to act on? Am I going to act out of love and kindness towards myself Mm-hmm. And towards other people, or am I going to jump onto this really fast, aggressive driver of a thought mm-hmm. that can just crash into a wall? Like, you know, it's, you might not have the power to control your thoughts. Like you're going to think what you're going to think, but you have the power to act on them mm-hmm. and see which ones you're going to listen to. Yep. I love that. I love that. So my beautiful sister, where can people find you online? You have to follow her because I just love her. She's oh my gosh. My Instagram feed is, uh, you know, not Jenna Kutcher, but Stop. mine is Kate. So K-A-T-E. And then my last name is Shellerud, Jenna's maiden name. Um, <laughs> you didn't know that. <laughs> S-H-E-L-E-R-U-D. So we all spell it that way because that's how our mom did. Right. So we always say the same pauses and stuff. So please go follow my sister. And just one of the biggest things with this podcast that I really love is I would love for the listeners to just encourage the people that are coming on. This is so out of my sister's normal realm, but <laughs> so I love to do monthly talks with you because I just, it's letting people into another aspect of my life. And I think that Oftentimes, I, I'm so open to share so much of my life, but there are so many things in my life that I just covet and want to keep private, and I think our family is one of those things, mm-hmm. um, and it's not out of that I don't want to share you. It's that I love you all so dearly that I think that some moments just need to be lived offline, Right. And so it's so fun to just have you on, and we've done Facebook Lives together, and they're hilarious because we're just so weird, <laughs> but thank you for sharing everything and for being the best and everyone just wherever you're at with your relationships I think there have been so many good nuggets of wisdom in here for your head and your heart today and always just remember that her success is not your failure and I hope that today you were reminded of that so thank you Kate for your time thank and for you being I'm on. so honored I love you I love you too and <laughs> You guys can find the show notes for this episode at www.golddiggerpodcast.com and we will have show notes and all kinds of freebies on the website for you today. So until next time, keep on digging those goals. Thanks for listening to Gold Digger. Dive into show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. You gold digging dream chaser, you.